0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Toho Yaro, a Japanese Film Club podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Alex Kazanis, and with me, as always, is Joey Weiser. Hello, hello. And Scott Dryman. Hi, everybody. Today, we will be uh, talking about the film uh, Kamikaze Girls. (laughs) This movie, uh, fucking rocks. Pardon my. <laughs> I, I want to
1: mention real quick that this movie was requested by a listener, uh, Jason
0: Rainey, who also requested Wood Job. So I'd say he's two for two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he is. And they, they kind of, uh, I don't know, they feel similar. Mm. Uh, in that, like, they're sort of, they're like light and fun and also heartfelt. Um, so yeah, Kamikaze Girls. This film was directed uh, by a gentleman known as Tetsuya Nakashima. Um, I haven't seen any of his other films, but uh, he's got a couple, uh, a couple. Uh, well, he's got a, a pretty good, decent amount under his belt, um, including uh, let's see Memories of Matsuko, Paco, and the Magical Picture Book um and confessions uh which apparently was selected as the Japanese entry for best foreign language film at the 83rd Academy Awards and mm. made the final shortlist in uh January 2011 uh and uh fun trivia ah. is that uh he was apparently supposed to direct the live action adaptation of the Attack on Titan series but uh he had to leave the project due to differences with the rest of the project uh production team
2: dodged yeah. a bullet there yeah <laughs>
0: um it, it should also be noted that for this particular movie kamikaze Girls, he was given the best director award at the two thousand and five yokohama film festival nice yeah um but before uh this was a movie it was uh a manga and also a light novel uh the uh the novel uh predates the um the manga of course. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the novel first. Yes, the Late novel was uh I think
2: that's the general trajectory. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's that's usually how it goes. Uh, the light novel was written by Novala Takemoto, uh which is, of course is a pen name and um he is a Japanese author and fashion designer. So that makes some sense given the uh oh, yeah. Yeah, given the subject matter of the movie. And the manga was written by uh uh Takemoto-san and also um Yukio uh, Kanesada, and it was actually published in English by Viz uh some time ago and I remember this movie actually did come out uh this movie came out uh, around 2004 um and Viz did publish it Uh, that's when I first um was alerted to it basically around when it came out um uh My friend Greg, who I've mentioned on this podcast, and those of you who listen to the One Piece podcast know Greg. uh, I believe he mentioned this movie to me at the time, Uh, but I didn't end up watching it until very recently. Until we just, well, until this podcast, really. (laughs) Do you guys have uh, history?
1: I'd never seen it or really even heard of it. I think I'd seen it around like video rental places looking in the international section but like cuz it, it like looked kind of familiar to me and i think after in the sort of like netflix days it had been recommended to me a couple of times but i just it just kind of like blew over me i was just kind of like oh yeah i don't know that didn't really strike me uh, but then um uh yeah then someone then we had that uh jason recommend the movie to us and uh, I think it had already been on your list as a possible one to cover. And I was like, "Oh, so that's like a thing. That's like a good thing. <laughs> I should check that out." Um, so I'm glad that we watched it.
2: Yeah, I had I had heard of it, um, just like talked about. I didn't actually know anything about it except that it was originally a light novel. And so uh, finding out just now that it was actually then adapted into a manga and then into this makes a lot more sense to me for the kind of pacing of this with a, a bunch of kind of different vignettes uh, yeah. making up the movie. But uh, yeah, I had heard about it and uh, just based on the name alone, I was kind of suspect because you never really know with a lot of Japanese uh, cult cinema stuff. Uh, but yeah, I... This is my first time watching it and it was uh, super fun and heartwarming.
0: Yeah, um this movie I knew it was going to be fun cuz I've seen trailers for it, but I didn't realize um, how consistently fun it was going to be. Uh generally I I usually um gear up for being disappointed <laughs> when when I see that a trailer looks really fun, I'm like, oh, this is probably like a part of the movie. Like um for example, <laughs> they did a real
1: good job making this trailer.
0: <laughs> yeah like i think there's some anime in the trailer and i'm like oh i see there's probably going to be like only a little bit um like there's a little bit of like a uh, there's an anime segment in the beginning of the movie for example like like uh, the opening credits kind of and i was mm-hmm. like oh okay this is uh, in the credits it says oh anime segment by uh, studio for uh 4 degrees celsius and i um i was like okay they probably are talking about this this opening part um but no it surprised me cuz there's actually a a really cool uh, anime segment mm-hmm. like halfway through the movie uh, so the um, so yeah the movie uh, itself is is interesting in that so the manga only takes pl- uh, only takes a, a certain part of the light novel and um, I believe the uh, the movie also takes just a a, uh, just a portion of of the book as well. Huh. So um <clears throat> I guess we should uh oh oh yeah cast we should talk about the cast because man everybody fucking kills it in this movie. Yeah. Uh so right off the bat momo uh Mo, uh one of our main characters, Momoko uh Ryugasaki, uh is played by Kyoko Fukada. And uh she has a uh, a pretty a pretty decent um career really uh, it uh, spanning uh 20 years um uh, to this date which is pretty uh which is pretty wild uh, she was in ring 2 <laughs> uh kamikaze girls of course uh, uh yatterman uh, she plays doronjo which is awesome uh, i think the yatterman movie is on our uh is on our list um and uh <laughs> Mission Impossible Samurai which is not related to the Mission Impossible <laughs> series. That's funny. Yeah, she also has a very extensive television career as well. Um as well as uh, discography. She's uh she is also a uh, J-pop singer. Hmm. Uh and she's won th- uh, various awards um uh various acting awards in- including uh several for Kamikaze Girls. Uh Next, we have uh, Ana Tsuchiya, uh, who plays Ichiko. And uh, she is less of an actress and more of an actual model. Um, The other movies that she's been in uh, include Taste of Tea, which is on our list. I believe Mm -hmm. it's on your list, Scott. Yep. Um, uh, Gonin Saga, uh, Kamui Gaiden, and Paco and the Magical Book, which is um, another Nakashima movie. Uh, that we uh, mentioned earlier, and uh, apparently her, uh, th- this is her the role that she is known best for, and she reportedly used, um, uh, her like an, an actual real life backstory for the inspiration for uh, Ichigo. Hmm. Uh, let's see here. Um, so Momoko's dad is played by uh, Hi- uh, Hiroyuki Miy- Miyasako. Um who was in the uh live action twentieth century boys movie, which I did not know existed
1: oh, uh, there's three of them,
0: wow, <laughs> yeah,
1: they're not very good oh <laughs> <laughs> they're very well cast uh everyone like looks the part, but yeah uh,
0: yeah, it looks like he's uh he's well known for well he's a comedian but he's also well known for being in movies based on adaptations such mm. such as uh Kachan. and uh uh, he, Mega Monster Battle Ultra Galaxy, and Ultraman Zero. So he's been in uh, yeah, two at least two Tokusatsu movies, which is uh, which is fun. We've been uh,
2: name dropping cool. a lot of very regrettable live action anime adaptations this episode.
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's uh, yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, I I most I, of them are so it's a, a high hit rate, but yeah. I'm I'm basically going through their entire cast because I think this I know I I love the whole cast of this movie and no, yeah, they're, everybody's great. Everybody is really great, yeah. Uh Momoko's mother is played by uh uh Ryoko uh Ryoko Shinohara, who has a uh humongous filmography, which also includes uh <laughs> Wow. So Funky Monkey Teacher Forever, Shin Funky <laughs> Monkey Teacher Dotsu Kare Tarunin.
1: Alright, I got it. Yeah. We have to look into those at some point. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I, we we have to now. Like that's those are great titles. Um, uh, Red Shadow, uh, she was the voice of Ayn in One Piece film Z. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, she also has a long, story television career as well as well as a discography. I'm, I'm we're seeing a, uh, we are seeing a, a trend here. A lot of singers and actresses, um. She didn't have a large role in the movie, but Momoko's grandmother is played by Kirin Kiki. And the reason that I wanted to bring her up is because her first role was uh, in 1970, a movie that uh, some of us may be familiar with Joey called Torasan, His Tender Love. Oh,
1: nice. Uh, yeah, that actress was actually just honored at the Japan Film Society, uh, their big like film festival this year. She was brought over and they gave her like a lifetime achievement type award. Oh wow uh, so I was seeing a lot about her on Twitter but I haven't I hadn't uh, had a chance to really dig into her her um, filmography.
0: Oh, that's pretty rad. yeah uh, apparently this is the third uh, the third Torasan movie and the first one that isn't directed by Yoji Yamada.
1: yeah the one of the two that's not directed by him. So that's available uh, in the west in that that uh, animego um, four four film disc set so, so that's cool.
0: So she's been acting since uh, since nineteen seventy, um, which is uh, yeah. We got a name drop a San actress. Mm-hmm. That's 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 important. Uh, Sadao Abe, who plays uh, Ryuji, uh, the unicorn. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he also plays the doctor who, um, uh, who uh, delivers the baby, mm-hmm. uh, baby Momoko as well. Uh, this guy uh what a cool character. Um he's he was in the Uzumaki movie. So mm. <laughs> another uh, another uh, adaptation. I don't know if you guys have seen that particular.
1: I have actually. It's it's a wild one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um and he was also uh, he he plays Dr. Kayette in the Yatterman movie. Uh and he's also in Paco and the Magical Picture Book. So hmm. uh Nakashima might be dipping into uh you know he uh you know he has his his mainstays and um he was nominated for best actor in the 31st uh Japanese Academy Awards for a movie called Mike O'Han. okay yeah <laughs> Yoshinori Okada uh uh plays the uh the grocery store guy um oh yeah yeah this guy is in the movie a, a bunch uh he's super funny um I just wanted to uh note him because i i thought he was a he was a standout Yeah, he's great um the uh uh uh, yeah uh akimi the leader of the uh the ponytails is is uh eiko koike um she has only been in a uh handful of of stuff including the 20th century boys um live action adaptations And uh she <laughs> she had a dubbing role in Shark Tale. Oh. It's <laughs> okay. version of Shark Tale. Um, yeah, so uh we can I think we're good. <laughs> That's <laughs> a lot of a, a lot of uh lot of folks in this movie. Um uh the uh I should also mention that the soundtrack is by Yoko Kano. Um, oh yeah. Uh, and for those of you who don't know who Yoko Kano is, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> she obviously, uh, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> she's the composer uh, for many different anime scores, such as Cowboy Bebop, uh, Macross Plus, uh, Escaflone, Wolf's Rain, uh, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, and Turn a Gundam. Uh, and she's, of course, the front woman for the seatbelts, which is, um, you know, the band that performs most of... Uh, the soundtracks for these Mm. series right now that we've got all of that uh, rigmarole out of the way it's time to talk about the actual movie itself Uh, which begins with a bang Um, uh, it begins with what appears to be the ending Uh, we get our main our one of our main characters momoko Uh, she is basically uh, flying in midair in slow motion and saying goodbye to things that at this point in the movie, we don't quite understand, uh, such as, um, uh, baby, the stars shine bright, Ichiko, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I
2: have very deep understanding of "Baby, the stars shine bright, but that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I watched this movie with, uh, my girlfriend, Melissa, who, who had seen this movie in college several times and loved it. And, she informed me that Baby the Stars Shine Bright is a real brand. Uh, oh, wow. She, she's interested in, uh, like, Lily the Fashion and stuff. Yeah, so. it's
2: one of the, like, big premiere brands. Yeah. I oh. mean, they're all they're all big and fancy, but Baby the Stars Shine Bright is one of the handful of, like, best-known ones here in the West.
1: Yeah, and that designer, like, that's an actor playing him, but that's a real guy that's really, you know, that guy's the designer that she meets later is, like, based on a real person.
2: Wow. Yeah. I was like, I, I was aware of his name and I was confused at first. I was like, no, this is definitely an actor. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh yeah. No, I looked him up afterwards and he's kind of, he's always like very frowny and I don't know. It's funny, but yeah, definitely not that same guy.
0: Wow. Geez. Well, that, not the first brand this movie name drops then (laughs) Uh, in a certain way. Yeah. so she says goodbye to everything, and then she decides to say, "Well, uh, let's let's rewind a bit." And she rewinds too far, too far, back to 18th century Versailles, the Rococo period. Uh, our main character Mamoko uh, begins to describe her adoration for this period and why she'd rather live there. Life was like candy, sweet and dreamy, and hedonistic, and uh, <laughs> everybody was having sex all the time. Uh, I love, I love this. Uh, like glorifying the Rococo period uh, a bit. It's, it's super funny saying that like, Oh, it made the Baroque period look sober. Like, <laughs> like what a, what a way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's funny because uh, definitely having been in art school, all of my uh, art history classes were very dismissive of the Rococo period. So it's it was kind of nice to see someone like <laughs> putting it up on a pedestal, you know,
2: Yeah, Uh, It was was really interesting because this is part of a bunch of, I think, subversions that the film does where you would normally expect somebody who's romanticizing in a period in time to be like, oh, it was so wonderful and perfect. But she's like, everybody was a shitty hedonist and just had sex (laughs) and embroidered all the time, which she thinks is cool, but it's not a glowing portrait of the time. (laughs)
0: Yeah. It's like the last thing that you would think of that era, honestly. Like, I don't know. Uh, so uh, at, this, at this point in the movie, we, uh, we fast forward just a little bit to 21st century Shimotsuma, which is uh, the backdrop for most of this movie. Uh, so Momoko uh, is wearing a Lolita uh, dress and she is on her way to the train station to go to Tokyo to uh, buy clothes. Uh, she, of course, is stopped by uh, the, um, the cabbage salesman uh, and, uh, and tells her, oh, why are you going to go to Tokyo where well, you can just shop at Jisco? Uh, and as soon, and this part of the movie is, um, when this start, like they, it felt like watching a manga just hmm. because of how everything is framed, uh, yeah. and like, like a gag manga, like, oh, look at this for this, this price and this shirt you can get for this price. And it was, I don't know, uh, uh, very the, very animated.
2: When the film opened, I was a little put off with like the dodgy CG and everything looked a lot like a like television drama series kind of visually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, uh, but then as soon as it got to the scene where they're like showcasing all of their clothes and how much they cost at it, it go. I was on board completely. Yeah. yeah. It's just so goofy.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's that was basically where the movie hooked me, which is which is great. Like for a movie to hook you that early on is um, that's like two thumbs up for me. Uh, so she basically is disgusted by the mention of Jusko, which I'm assuming is a real place. Uh, it's yeah, I think so. I've basically, that I just, don't know. It's basically the Walmart. Of yeah. Uh, Shimotsuma. Uh, and uh, as she's in the train station, uh, we begin um, one of many awesome devices that uh, Momoko uses to storytell, which is um, a monitor. Like there's a monitor on uh, in the train station, to um, and we get we get basically Momoko's backstory here. Uh, so she was born in Amagasaki, uh, AKA Tracksuit Country, where everybody is either a, y- a Yankee or a Yakuza or graduates from a Yankee into a Yakuza, and um, we're treated to a very, really fun montage of what that means exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the, <laughs> you're born in a tracksuit and you die in a tracksuit. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, I- incredible. Uh,
2: yeah, for our listeners that aren't uh, as familiar with uh, Japanese subcultures, we can talk about Yankees for a little bit.
0: Oh, yeah. So yeah, Yankee uh Yanki is a Japanese subculture that is very like greaser. Uh it's it's sort of like um it it takes inspiration from the 1950s greaser uh era and um uh the type of dialect that they speak is is very interesting. Uh I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh goodness uh boso zoku
1: oh Bosozoku. zoku the like bikers yeah like
0: it's i I think it's, there's a lot
2: of crossover between yeah these groups um but yeah they're they're very like western inspired which is they're the Yankee Yankee
0: yeah very tough like if if you've ever seen like any any sort of uh you know they're often roll the r's like you know, like it's <laughs> if i were to if i were to sum up a yankee dialect into into one uh one sound it would just be that yeah definitely yeah
1: yeah this is a sort of like hoodlum the sort of like delinquent uh teens typically that you know one step down from yakuza they're not necessarily yeah as dangerous or connected or whatnot but yeah um they're kind of on their way to becoming Yakuza.
0: <laughs> yes. If you if you've ever watched like an, uh, an anime or a drama where you see like uh this dude, he's wearing the school uniform, but it's unbuttoned and he's got like a pompadour. That's mm. generally the Yankee delinquent like uh style. Uh Frankie from One Piece is a Yankee.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Very good example. Um uh if y'all have anything else to add. Uh, I just love
1: this this uh flashback sequence, and uh it comes back in at some point in the middle of the movie. They do a sort of uh faux uh, battles without honor and humanity theme. <laughs> yes. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, like uh, and so they they give the backstory for Momoko's dad, uh, and as he kills, as he kills a guy, um, and he's crying like a snot nosed baby, uh, it plays the battles without honor and humanity uh, kill song. Yeah, which okay. uh, which was, oh, man, it's it's really great uh, having seen like those movies and stuff and being able to point out references like that. Uh, it's it's a it, what a funny strig. So as he's sniveling uh, in an alley, he uh, meets a woman coming out of a bar puking. And it's a, it's love at first sight. Uh <laughs> momoko uh tells it's so tell, gross it's really, yeah, really gross. just
2: like there's a hose behind her yeah spraying yeah. everywhere
0: yeah it's it's very much it's very much uh like that scene in austin powers where everybody's puking um <laughs> <laughs> so uh momoko you know uh tells tells us the audience that uh you know very soon after um uh momoko began school her mom uh left her father uh, and uh, Momoko became a very indifferent kind of person, uh, which which um, is very evident throughout the movie uh, in various different ways. Uh, she decided to stay with her father, and uh, in a really funny and almost heartbreaking scene, tells her mom to go live a wild life and to grasp happiness and to get breast implants and become a beautiful woman <laughs> as she flies off into the sunset on Sparkles. Um, and her father kind of hit rock bottom and eventually became a, uh, a counterfeiter. Uh, but not just any counterfeit stuff. Um, Versace, uh, it's too much work to bleep out Versace like they do in the movie. So I'm not going to do that for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I,
2: I was cracking up it was, every time they said Versace, they would, they would bleep it. Amazing. I think well, all the merch they just says Versace, would they
0: wouldn't blur
1: the lettering on the clothing itself. I think it might be spelled slightly
0: differently then. Uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs>
2: I, I, is, I don't think there's an. There's. I think it's just Versace. Yeah, oh. it's, it's Versace. C <laughs> H.
0: <With laughs> yeah, and um, okay. and uh, uh, he sort of works his way up in the counterfeiting ranks and saying, "Oh, hey, we what we should do is we should combine it with another counterfeit." Uh, company. So they counterfeit Universal Studios, uh, which they also bleep out in a different way. And I noticed that it says Universal Stadium like on the uh on the label. <laughs> oh,
1: that's great. I
2: kind of lost my shit at when he's when he's pitching this to the Yakuza boss uh, talking about double brands and collaborations and how he just doesn't get it. I'm like, holy shit, this guy was ahead of the curve because that's everything now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. it's a Versace Universal Studio mashup.
0: <laughs> it's super funny. I also love during that scene he has like the old man mustache, like <laughs> yeah. to, show, to show his age, <laughs> like the typical salary man mustache. In in addition to the fact that he's dressed like a fucking yakuza. Yeah, and he's
2: dressed like Kiryu like... from the yakuza games. That's like his his like outfit in the first game. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Scott mentioned inverting tropes and stuff. I was so like they, you know, they set you up to assume that this guy is going to fail or whatever, but like it ends up being super successful. He's like always successful with these
0: like horrible knockoffs. <laughs> yeah. There's a, uh, there was a really great uh, montage scene too, where he's doing all sorts of Yakuza stuff and, and using it as an excuse to, to put food on the table for his daughter. um, But then, uh, Something goes tits up, uh, and, um, he, uh, they, he gets in trouble to the point where they have to, um, they have to move to Shimotsubo. Oh,
2: it, It's because Universal Studios, Versace doesn't care, Universal Studios takes notice, and we get this very oh short my God, scene. that's right. Of, I think, just the three white guys they could round up, uh, <laughs> off the street, uh, using slurs to talk about how Japanese people suck for, like, two seconds.
0: That's right, yep.
2: Yeah. And so, yeah, it's implied <laughs> that because the heat is on from Universal Studios, he has to skip town.
0: Which is <laughs> such a funny-ass, like... He became too <laughs> successful. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's that's what happens when you're in the counterfeit business, kids. You'll, <laughs> you'll fly too close to the sun on wings made out of... Universal Stadium. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, it was, uh, (laughs) so they have to move to Shimotsubo where, um, where, uh, where he had grown up, I believe. And, uh, we're, um, we're introduced at this point also to, uh, Momoko's grandmother, who I need to point out because she's so awesome. She's, she seems senile, but she's not really. Uh, she just got hit in the head too many times because, uh, she, uh, she was a pugilist. Um, she fought a lot as, as a youth and, uh, is why she had lost an eye. Um, I thought that was such a fun detail, uh, for a character that we only see like maybe twice Mm. or three times in the whole movie. Uh, so Momoko gets hooked on the Lolita style, uh, one day in Osaka and, uh, she can't get enough of baby, the star shine bright clothes. Uh, so we have a montage of her conning her dad out of money uh, by saying, Oh, my friend is sick or, uh, uh, and she needs money for the operation, you know, try to pull on his heartstrings. So he gives her money to help her friend, but she's actually buying baby clothes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the, uh,
2: the other subversion here, I think the core one in the movie is that you would expect the protagonist of a film like this to be like, you know, kind of prissy and fussy because she wears fancy clothes. And and she is to an extent, but she's mostly like a borderline sociopath where like oh, yeah. she but has a hard time, like it's a story point that she has a hard time feeling emotions for anything and is very nihilistic. Uh, even though she cares about these clothes a lot, like nothing else gets through to her at all. And it's, it's kind of an interesting character to have as our, our protagonist.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah um i didn't think that i would like her as a character so much um just because as far as tropes go i thought she was going to be like oh you know cutesy and just the good girl but she ends up being like uh an asshole like she mm-hmm. is a terrible person uh which we'll get into um at least for the, for a good chunk of the movie but it's it's interesting to say that what she's the way that she says that she got hooked on these clothes she said that she was reborn uh, the old knee was killed and i was reborn uh and and all she ever wanted at this point was to uh eat sweet things and to uh live the rococo lifestyle. Uh so uh present day uh she's pretty much at uh, she's pretty much out of money because her dad is out of money. Um things things aren't looking too good uh for old daddy momoko. Uh so she decides to sell her dad's Versace knockoffs online. Uh and gets a letter from what uh appeared to be a young girl who wanted to <laughs> uh buy Versace. Um, and so we have our second main character, enter Ichiko, uh, of the Ponytails, a girl biker gang. Uh she shows up and uh Momoko is is flummoxed uh because her handwriting uh and way and manner of writing is pretty much that of um Little girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when <laughs> Ichiko comes and uh, starts talking in a, a Jidageki-type dialect, uh, which confuses uh, Momoko and me, to be honest. Because <laughs> I don't think she talks like I this. Was like, directly. what the fuck
2: is going on here?
0: Yeah. It's like, where hath, where hath be Momoko? Or, or something. It was very, very uh, out of love field and very funny. I th- I think
2: it's because she assumes that Momoko is a little girl playing dress up like a princess. Oh. <laughs> so she is like trying to play along, sure. not right. realizing that it's Lolita and Momoko's an adult.
0: Right. Then she finds out that she's the same age. Um and uh Ichiko is enamored by all of the Frosashi stuff. Um it's it's a uh, they make a point in the movie in saying that uh, the reason that her dad made it so big with the Versace stuff is that Yankee subculture loves uh, brand name stuff, especially Versace, and even if it's a knockoff, they will still buy it just because it's got the name on it, uh, which comes through in in Ichigo's search for a, uh, a jacket. Um, so she ends up accidentally getting a discount by um, Ichigo giving her or, uh, yeah, Momoko giving Ichigo a much lower price than expected. And, uh, and Ichigo says, I won't forget this. If you ever need, need help, then just call on us, the ponytails. Um, but eventually, of course, Ichigo would come to hang out more and more and more. (laughs) Uh, and, um, she clearly, uh, clearly wants a friend. Uh, And every once in a while, if um, Ichiko is uh, insulted by Momoko, she will headbutt her without any hesitation, which uh, I thought was super funny as a device. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I like how casually violent she
0: is.
1: Yeah, it's super funny. Yeah, and it's kind of like interesting to me and kind of nice that I I don't know if nice is the right word, but it's funny to me that Momoko never gets like really mad at her. We always just kind of cut to the next scene and she's rubbing her head. Yeah, so, you know, she's hurt, but she's still I think they both kind of want friends, Uh, maybe Momoko less so than than Ichiko. But like, uh, <laughs> but something about her makes it so that when she gets, uh, you know, attacked, she's not just saying, like, get out of here. You know,
2: I think also she's very willing to admit she's a terrible person. And I think in a lot of those cases, she's like, yeah, I had that coming. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty evident. Uh at one point they are hanging out at uh at a a place called Forest of the Aristocrats, which um I uh need to look up if this place is real because it looks amazing. Uh uh on the monitor, uh we get a little peek into Omoko's ma mind and we get her motto, "Humans are born alone, so we'll die alone." Uh she basically is saying that she doesn't need any friends as long as she has her baby clothes uh so they're sitting and having tea and uh ichigo apparently ichiko (laughs) apparently uh is a very long storyteller uh she (laughs) gives her own backstory um which is uh quite funny uh she basically used to be a very good good girl um uh did uh, studied a lot played piano Pretty much a huge nerd uh, who got bullied a lot in school. Uh, she couldn't take it one day, ran away, uh, and ran into uh, Akimi, her her senpai basically, uh, the leader of the ponytails. Um, and uh, what does Akimi say? Uh, she says, uh, "Yeah, don't don't cry in public. Uh, it makes you stronger." And. Um, from then on, she looked up to Akimi, joined the ponytails, and then uh, decides to tell another hour-long story about Himiko, uh-huh. uh, the legendary biker who destroyed the Yakuza and united girl gangs and disappeared mysteriously after that. And this scene is particularly neat because it's animated by uh, 4 Degrees Celsius, which um, if anybody is uh, uh, an anime nut, you'll know that they, uh, they're they the studio behind Mind Game and uh, King crete which are super awesome and bizarre and i recommend to anybody who enjoys animation uh mm-hmm. yeah they also worked on uh memories and um the uh the three berserk oavs that came out in the early um early 2000 teens uh and uh some uh they i think a dc movie uh, flashpoint paradox and gotham knight mm-hmm. uh yeah and a couple Animatrix movies and some music videos. Yeah, they've got a lot, of, a lot of stuff under their belt. Oh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. I'm just reading off of Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think well, they also
2: but... worked on the uh, on that Thundercats reboot that nobody uh, oh. watched, but is apparently the one that everybody wants now. It is
1: oh, good. yeah. It was good. They did, yeah.
0: As <laughs> um, well as... But... Oh, sorry. Transformers Animated and also... Uh, the Amazing World of Gumball, which is also an awesome show. (laughs) Yeah, they do a lot of work for higher stuff.
1: Yeah, and this this animated sequence is just like very cool looking. It like oozes style. It has a very kind of like flat sort of I don't know early when Cartoon Network was for you know the sort of Dexter's Lab sort of like flat looking thing, but like uh, but is really stylish and cool. Yeah, I don't know.
2: It verges a little uh on like. Um some studio trigger stuff like mm-hmm. when Kill a Kill gets like super crazy. It's yeah. it's almost on that. Uh the kind of way it moves and everything. Uh even though the the visually it's a little different, uh like character design wise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This and this sequence is pretty is I'm not gonna say too it's not it's not too lengthy, but it's lengthy. Like it's uh it's way longer than I was going to give it credit for. So very, very cool. I love when live action movies throw this kind of thing in there uh so um uh, at this point, ichiko is also mentioning the fact that she uh she basically owes her life to uh, Akimi and um uh needs some some money to embroider her jacket uh to to pay tribute um and there's only one person who can do it the um legendary embroiderer Emma uh, so in order for this to happen she needs a good chunk of money I think I think fifty thousand yen was the was it the, yeah fifty thousand yen or yeah, sorry, fifty thousand yeah, was the magic number there and uh, trying to figure as they were trying to figure out how in order how, how exactly uh, to make the sum of money uh, <laughs> Uh, Ichiko kidnaps Momoko to go to a pachinko parlor. Uh, Of course, during this time, uh, Momoko is fighting the fact that uh, she is Ichiko's friend by giving her a cabbage and saying, uh, please take this cabbage. This is your friend now. Um, But uh, (laughs) it's at this point that we sort of realize that Momoko is a bad person enveloped in her own little world. Um, But hey, guess what? You're going to a pachinko parlor anyway, uh, and Momoko is a natural. She is basically taking this place for all that is worth and getting a lot of attention from the uh, owner of the parlor, who um who accuses them of being underage. At at which point there's a really funny argument uh, between her and or, uh, her being um, Ichiko and the pachinko parlor owner saying like, "Oh no, she's." She's 18. She's 30. She's 40. <laughs> she's my mother. Like
2: <laughs> the escalation is very good.
0: Yeah, it's uh, excellent exercise in heightening. Um, but of course, uh, it doesn't work, and a pompadour intervenes. Uh, the the awesome, awesome entrance of Unicorn Ryuji, uh who basically vouches for uh <laughs> vouches for um uh the two by uh squeezing the guy's nuts. <laughs> Very threateningly.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, we should note his his pompadour arrives about three seconds before he does because it's about two to three feet long.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is a pompadour that would make uh the boys of Kishidan blush. Uh so um uh at that point uh there's this really fun uh Uh, line about the Pachinko gods and the Rococo gods uh, Mm. that uh, the the two girls are talking about. Um, And at this point, uh, Ichiko has developed a crush on Ryuji. Um, So when they get back, Momoko uh, notices that she's got holes in her bonnet. And uh stitching them up, uh, very fancy like with like little hearts. and uh, her grandmother notes that she has a real talent and uh, that she can be different from her father, and that um, you know she can just shoot for basically shoot for the stars. Uh, very very nice little very nice little moment, considering uh, her grandmother uh, is sort of um, aloof and wanting chocolate most of the time. Uh, this is a nice little part where she imparts wisdom so very nice <clears throat> um let's see so uh the next day uh the two of them uh, Momo and Ichiko actually end up going to uh baby the starshine bright to uh, buy some clothes and who uh who do they run into but isobe <coughs> the boss uh after passing out uh uh, Ichiko comes and knocks uh Isobe over thinking uh that he hurt uh Momoko in any sort of way which is a very cute moment. Uh, this <laughs> happens a couple times in the movie where she basically comes to Momoko's rescue. And uh she realizes wow this is I've met god. My life can't get any better than this. I'm I I've I've reached the pinnacle. Like what else can I do? And then she freaks out and says well, since this happened, let's search for Emma. Uh, let's like let's spend the rest of the day searching for this legendary embroiderer. Like if this can happen for me, then then uh, this can surely happen for you too. Uh, didn't it doesn't happen? They have a little spat, and um, eventually Ichiko trusts entrusts her kamikaze jacket to Momoko to embroider. Uh, Momoko. I forgot to mention this earlier, but she um, points out that the jacket has a kanji wrong. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. I didn't write down what the kanji was though. Yeah, yeah I don't it, know enough to it, actually it recognize what it was pretty complicated,
1: Yeah, so it seemed like it was kind of a a hard kanji, but it probably. I don't know. So here's the thing. I, I was pretty convinced for a long time that Ichiko was actually lying about the gang existing at all. And then she's at this point, she's like going off like, oh, no, everyone is wearing the same jacket. So it's got the spelling error on everyone's jackets. And I yeah. was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, uh, sure. Uh, thinking that it's just like she made it herself at home or something. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, I also thought that that at first she might be lying about the gang until the the Akimi flashback. At which point I was like, "No, nah, this is that's probably
0: legit." Mm. <laughs> well, y- yeah, you your uh, y- your intuition was sort of right there, Joey, uh, as we will get to. Um, so uh, she trusts her jacket to Momoko, uh, and Momoko is hit with. Um, She's hit with something something that makes her stitch for three days straight. She forgets to sleep and eat and um as she's about to pass out, uh we see her dad watching a beauty contest on t v that her mom is in uh her mom <laughs> outright loses uh, and um <laughs> and uh super funny um uh her dad celebrates like like crazy saying oh you know anything can happen you know believe in your dreams uh (laughs) this guy let me just say this guy like steals the show anytime he's on screen he's super funny
1: yeah yeah uh
2: it's i mean it's a little misogynistic but like his selling of this is just so goddamn funny like it's it cracked me up watching him just like explode after she lost. <laughs> Cause he's, he's been like so sullen the entire length of the movie since they got divorced and, and seeing this is just a huge turnaround.
0: Yeah. Uh, you can see that like, this is what he had been living for since that fateful day. Uh, it's yeah, pretty funny. Um, of course, Momoko passes out. uh, <laughs> And um uh Ichiko comes and uh kind of wakes her up. They they uh they go out um onto a hill and um Ichiko tells uh Momoko about the um about the uh the ponytail parade that they were uh she wanted to get the um or or rather she gets she gets the jacket. And she goes and uh, she goes to this parade honoring uh, Akimi, right? And uh, the next time they meet, Ichiko tells Momoko that the parade went well, but then they have this little flashback to what happened there. And Akimi is now quote unquote riding with Ryuji, and one more, she's pregnant. Uh. So yeah, looks like Ryuji's pomp ain't the only thing that's, uh. Fertile. Alex no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I had to keep going. I couldn't stop. Uh, so now, uh, now um, Ichigo uh, yeah, is heartbroken, uh, and uh, there is a really, um, really sweet uh, part here where uh, you know Ichigo is told by Akemi that you know you shouldn't cry in public because you know you know uh, then you'll look weak. And uh, Momoko says, well, this isn't public. So she has herself a good cry with her friend, which is nice. Um, Momoko also tells her that if you want something, uh, you should go for it. If you like something, take it, I believe she says. Uh, So, um, yeah, the the end of uh, Ichigo's first love. I think this is a like uh this is this part like evokes a coming of age story i think which is which is really nice it's like a fun little subplot but uh
2: yeah course. this was a little weird for me pacing wise there are a couple weird parts pacing wise and kind of how i talked about how this felt like a manga with different vignettes and kind of like chapters ending and beginning and i felt a little bit after this i was like this isn't the end of the movie there's still more of it but this is like an ending of, yeah. of a chapter at least so that was a little weird to me
0: yeah I could see where this would be like in a manga like where the manga would have legs like little stories about these characters um, what I forgot to mention is during all of this she gets a uh, text message from Isobe and um, he meets uh, he meets with uh, Momoko at, at Baby the Bright showing her a uh, uh, a dress that needs to be done with a tight deadline and uh, he can't have it sent out to do. and she needs to do it because uh, he loved the work that she did on her own bonnet. Uh, uh, I also forgot to mention that um, when she met Isobe, he had seen the stitch work that uh, she had done to um, to her bonnet and he freaked out
1: yeah, this is no. cool. This is another thing and Scott, you may be more familiar with this, but Melissa was telling me that like I guess at least in certain sides of the Lolita fandom, like they look down on DIY modifications and stuff, so Yeah. Uh it was like kinda cool that he, he was she was very embarrassed about it, I guess, but he he's recognizing her for her skills.
2: Yeah, it was really weird. Like I I as a giant masculine bodied person I, I can't really wear lolita stuff but i know a lot about it and for the second when the girl and the babies the stars shine bright boutique like notice the embroidery on her bonnet uh i i think i had the same reaction she did where i was just like huh! uh, because like she i can i can just like see her heart stopping for a second but then the girl is like into it instead of being like what did you do. Yeah, right. And then Isobe is also like this is incredible. And so when he gets that dress that uh, it, I think it was supposed to be come embroidered uh from wherever he ordered it from and they just didn't do it and so now he has to have somebody hand embroider it which is why he's like you have to be the one.
0: Mm. Yeah, it has to be you. Uh so uh she takes the job of course, and at this point she is having a very hard time stitching the dress because she's very conflicted. You know, she's she used to be this nihilistic, awful person, and now she has a well, a friend. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um
0: so she uh is stitching the dress, Ichigo's hanging out and uh takes a mysterious phone call and rides off for a quote unquote challenge by the Daibutsu, which is a giant Buddha statue. Um and uh, Momoko puts two and two together, and she asks her dad because he would know uh, what a Yakuza challenge is like. And um, it's uh, it's pretty awful, involves a lot of violence, um, and is much worse for girls because uh, they usually take razors to each other's face uh, so they can never get married, which is uh, cultural thing. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: I'm really into the fact that during this explanation, he's like delighted by it. And then at the end, he's like, ah, youth. <laughs> and this is like reflecting fondly over all this horrible violence.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yep. So, uh, so Momoko is, is hell bent now on, on, on saving her friend. Uh, so she has to call her boss and tell him that, uh, she can't finish the dress right now, even though the deadline is, like, yesterday. And um, he gives a speech which is going to sound like he's, you know, like, saying, you know, well, your work isn't, this isn't a hobby, this is work, and this should be the most important thing in your life. But then he goes on to say that, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't have any friends. This was, you know, this was my life. And then he says, I don't want you to be like that. You have a friend. Go to her. Save her uh so basically with that permission she's she's off uh she takes the uh earlier in the movie there is a bike a a, uh, a scooter that uh used to belong to Momoko's grandmother that Ichiko uh had noted uh at this point we'll call it Chekhov's scooter because uh, <laughs> Momoko gets on it uh, her grandmother tells her how to ride it and off she goes and then boom she's hit by the cabbage truck and here we are at the beginning of the movie again where she says goodbye to Baby the Starship and Bright, Ichiko, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, And she's having a little bit of a, a dream sequence, so to speak, where um, she is pretty much reborn uh, and comically falls from the sky uh, on her way to heaven uh, back into the cabbage truck, and she is completely fine. Uh she uh makes her way uh,
2: I was watching this with, with my wife and uh I was like it's just like when you hit a deer on the side of the road and it runs off to the forest and then <laughs> you wait a beat and she's yep. going to run off into the woods and die five minutes later from internal bleeding.
0: <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I was like, No. Well luckily um, that doesn't happen. But
2: yeah, she's just magically fine, and so is the cabbage truck guy who I like a lot. So yeah, everything was okay except his truck is wrecked. <laughs> so-
0: Hopefully he has insurance. So, uh, meanwhile at the Daibutsu, um, guess what? The, uh, (laughs) the biker gang does exist. Um, not just that, but they've conglomerated with another gang. Uh, and, uh, Ichigo is taking Akimi to task for, uh, uniting a rival gang. And, um, she says, I'm going to quit the gang. And Akimi says, well, fine, but we're still going to beat the shit out of you anyway. Uh, Ichiko ends up holding her own, uh, pretty well, and then calls out Akimi and all them for using weapons, saying, "Oh, what you can't use your fists." And uh, <laughs> turns out, and when she challenges Akimi, uh, Ichiko actually comes out on top a little bit, a little bit, but then gets overwhelmed by the rest of the gang members. Uh, suddenly, Momoko comes; uh, she gets enveloped into the fight and gets knocked into a mud puddle, uh, soaking her Lolita outfit. Uh she then snaps and um violence, extreme violence, um, she takes a bat and swings it wildly and then drops a bombshell on everybody, saying that she is the legendary biker Himiko's daughter, and uh gives a backstory that seems to fit with the backstory that we heard from her earlier. Uh at this point. Yes
2: is interesting because i was like number one i was like did i miss something this mostly fits but maybe i'm missing some pieces here yeah it's great because it
1: does fit very well like uh, it could uh, be the twist
2: (laughs) yeah and then uh while that was going on i was like the entire time i had heard when they said the name emma i was like well that's a weird name and then at this point when they're like when she's saying Emma is a he, I realize that uh Emma is another way of saying Inma, like yeah. the the Buddhist King of Hell. And so the it, it, for a a kind of legend, having the people named Princess and the King of Hell is is a pretty cute uh choice of names.
0: Yes. Uh yeah, super funny. I was completely I I was I was on the same page as Akimi. I was like, oh shit. Um So Yeah, she basically calls Akimi's bluff saying that, oh you think oh, so uh Himoku told you to do this? Well guess what? Guess who's daughter guess 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 who's her daughter? Me. So um they end up winning the day. Uh they get off scot free because everybody is completely blown over by the fact that this is uh Himigo's daughter. Saying that, oh, well, if you mess with us, then you're going to be messing with the legendary biker girl. Uh, so they, as they ride off into the sunset, uh, Momoko and Ichiko, uh, <laughs> uh, Ichiko uh, knows that, you know, it was a bluff. And um, Momoko says, well, how did you know? And she's like, oh, because I made Himiko up um, years ago. And the legend sort of outgrew uh it grew itself. Like it it just became bigger bigger than it was meant to be.
2: Um during that during that scene where she's telling this story, it keeps cutting back to uh Ichigo, and you see increasing looks of disbelief on her face. And now <laughs> those make a lot more sense. How yeah. uh, this was she was more confused than everybody else who was just kind of like in awe.
0: Yeah. Uh so then we have a little bit of an epilogue at the end. Uh uh Isobe offers Momoko a a, a full time job after graduating. Um she ends up turning it down because she'd rather uh buy clothes and live in her fully lifestyle. Uh Ichigo, however, became a model for Baby the Star Shine Bright. Uh and everybody wanted to <laughs> model for her, despite the fact that she was still rowdy and broke two cameras on the first day. <laughs> so that was the end that's the end of the movie. That's that's kamikaze girls. Yeah, and yeah, that um, in awesome. that last
1: scene, like, well, the, the big confrontation scene, I, I remember when it first got there, like, I thought, oh, man, this is such a cool location, like that Buddha statue in the background and stuff. And I was like, and there's like a weird little mud puddle lake thing, which doesn't quite seem like cool, but that's fine. But then you kind of see why, because they needed that to, like, you know, ruin the dress and, and all that stuff. Yeah.
0: So, what'd you guys think? Uh,
2: I'll go first. I uh, I there's a lot in this movie that didn't quite work for for me. None of it really like was a complete letdown, but some things um, I was just kind of like, eh. I I feel like they should have gone either more all in or less all in on a lot of the the weird kind of cutaway things because they're used really inconsistency inconsistently throughout the movie. And it feels like they forget about them every now and then. Um, but, uh, other than those complaints, I really love this movie. Uh, it was so much fun. Like I said, I was, I was hesitant at first and then it just, uh, shortly after that, I just, uh, was all in. And this, uh, a lot of it is, um, gave me uh, a a similar vibes to uh, life is strange, which is a flawed video game, but still has a lot of stuff that, that I care about, about uh, the friendship between uh, two teenage girls. And so there's a lot of echoes here. Hmm. Um, And yeah, just like all the writing, the performances, like almost all of the comedy is great. Um, And yeah, I, I was, pleasantly surprised after having kind of been like tepid on this film just from the title alone Mm. hearing about it before
1: yeah i i really enjoyed it i thought it was great um i i love the whole style of it um and i found the subject matter interesting like you know just kind of breaking down the two basic elements like I never really knew much about Lolita fashion, so that was an interesting thing to kind of learn a bit more about and see uh, depicted on film. And then as for the Bosozoku stuff, the, like, biker gang stuff, like, you know, I I love old-school Yakuza stuff, but I don't really know much about the modern takes, and modern could even be kind of, like, 90s onwards. But, like, uh, so it's, you know, that was interesting. And something that I thought was interesting about it is that... um this is kind of about a decade old film at this point, but a lot of that stuff is now kind of becoming very popular with art and fashion in America at the moment. The like um, <clears throat> those, the Japan dragon jacket things, I don't know what they're called, but those like uh, sort of baseball jacket looking things that, that the, you know, Ryuji the unicorn wears and the, the whole girl gang aesthetic and stuff is something that I see a lot
0: Called kamikaze it. jackets,
1: I think. Yeah, is that what they're uh, is that what they're called? Yeah. Um. So I I, I thought that was kind of interesting. I was like, wow, this is actually kind of a perfect moment. Like, I think a lot of people should check out this film right now because I see a lot of uh, artists and stuff that are really into that uh that aesthetic. Um, and I like that both of the characters seemed pretty realistic. Uh, neither of them, you know, were necessarily this the straight man to the other one's fool. They were both pretty. <laughs> foolish in their own ways they're (laughs) both kind of dumb in in some ways but also very dedicated and sweet in in other ways um and um you know i i never uh felt like a sort of big i never had this big like boom moment where the film hit me super emotionally i'd say but i still enjoyed watching it a lot i thought it was really cool and, and fun
0: yeah um it was insanely fun. I I really loved how well paced it was and how funny it was, like consistently funny. Um, yeah, I didn't really get a, a gut punch, like emotional gut punch, but I did. Um, I did think that some uh, bits were really heartwarming, and uh, I really liked uh, Momoko's arc uh, throughout mm. the movie. Uh, just how like terrible of a person she was, but then became <laughs> like sort of grew to understand. Um, like the meaning of friendship, almost like it's yeah, uh, yeah. It's 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 so good. Um, I uh, so I just did a little bit of googling, and um, this movie was yeah, filmed basic basically in uh, Shimotsuma, uh, which is in the Ibaraki pre- uh, prefecture, and uh, for the Forest of the Aristocrats is a real restaurant. Ah, uh, the giant Daibutsu is a real place. Like all these places are real. Jusco is also real, <laughs> oh, yeah. I
1: actually looked that up uh, while we were talking about it, but then the the subject kind of passed on. Uh, Jusco is uh, the it's an acronym for the Japan United stores company. It's basically like a chain of malls, basically, these general merchandise stores that uh, or hypermarket as uh, Wikipedia uh, is
0: labeling them. so. <laughs>
1: um yeah yeah, supermarkets basically
0: oh yeah awesome yeah what's so aristocratic about this forest anyway well (laughs) yeah i think uh if i ever if i'm ever in the area i will go (laughs) uh yeah so uh i want to talk uh very briefly about the music and how fucking awesome it is Mm. um i am only really familiar with um with kano's cowboy bebop yeah uh, so- soundtrack uh and this is so different uh it's so varied like there's so much there's so much different stuff like it, it feels like there's many different genres of music in this movie uh but anytime there's some, some music in the background I'm just like man this song sounds awesome uh so I'm going to have to look up the soundtrack to this uh at some point
1: mhm
0: I really I uh, really liked it yeah I uh, the music was great uh did you guys have any um favorite Favorite scenes.
1: I liked all the like meta humor, you know, the the jokes and stuff that like Scott was saying, maybe it could have used a little bit more of um, the like Momoko's narration bits and stuff. And one particular instance that I really love it that I think we kind of hit on at the beginning is the when the townspeople are professing their love for Jesko And Mm -hmm. we see them proudly displaying their clothing with the prices uh, popping up and stuff. And it looks almost like a commercial or something. Um, I love the meta ness of it. And I found that very funny. But uh, something that was also really kind of cool about that scene is that this wasn't, and uh, this is another instance of it sort of inverting tropes. Like, this isn't like the whole townspeople are like laughing at her because they hate her and they don't get her, you know, like they. We're still pretty kind to her. They were just kind of confused by her, and so it wasn't a thing where she has to escape. You know, that's kind of the way that she is is categorizing it for herself, but viewing it from <laughs> our perspective. Yeah, she's the
2: one who's disgusted by them, yeah. rather than like <laughs> who's this weirdo in weird clothes.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I I, I love that about it, um, and I found that part very fun and and telling about that character as well. What about you Scott?
2: Um uh going along that before I say my favorite stuff. It there there's a lot of like small attention to detail and a lot of these sets are really lavishly kind of done up. I need to watch the movie more to t- try to pick out more details, but something that stood out to me in uh one of the scenes is after she's talking about how she doesn't she doesn't like uh she doesn't want to be one of those girls that that knows both sweet and sour. She only wants sweet things and is like has this like bento full of sweets. Uh later that uh that scene when she's at home eating dinner, she's eating like a bowl of jelly beans for dinner, oh, like really? with a spoon. <laughs> yeah, everything on her plate is candy. It's it's such a goofy little detail. So good. And kind of gross, but in a good way. Um my favorite thing are the two scenes, uh, the first one where Ichigo shows up and then the one where uh, Ichigo meets Akimi for the first time. Just like the the parallels in those scenes of the girls like showing up and getting off their bikes looking super badass is just like a, a really great, uh, really great cool scenes. Uh, I like when Akimi flicks her hair, a ton of glitter flies out of it. <laughs> that's a nice little detail. <laughs> and just like all of the thoughts running through uh, uh, Momoko's head when uh, when Ichigo's walking up, she's like, oh, no, Yankee. Oh, no, she's spitting. What's going on?
0: Oh, yeah. She man, spits a lot and makes so many, uh, sh- Man, she talks about it a lot too.
2: Um, but outside of the specific scene, just like any time Ichigo is doing anything on screen, like her entire performance is... Is incredible. Um, she's but both like her performance and as a character is is great and really makes the movie for
0: me. I think. Yeah, yeah, she's she's a really a real standout. Um, I think my favorite scene, uh, hmm, my favorite scene, I think, might be, uh, when Ryuji first shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's. <laughs> It, like, it's filmed really funny. Like, you just see the pompadour first and nothing else. And it's sort of, and the camera sort of pans over, and it's a person. <laughs> I, don't know. I wasn't, I, I was a
2: little uncomfortable when he first showed up, because I was like, I, I'm i not sure what the vibe is on this guy yeah. showing up to help these, like, teenage girls. Um, And he turns out to be fine, but I was like, real worried for a hot second, especially once. And then he grabbed the guy by the balls. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, what, what is going on? But yeah, his just like his design and everything. And the way that they watch his, uh, watch the pompadour as he moves it around. He like, moves
1: it, it like, is, uh, Naoto to and shall we dance? Like he has this very, like <laughs> he, he does that same kind of pivot thing when he's leaving. Uh, that's so great.
0: Yeah. Um, Everybody kind of moves like a cartoon uh so I was thinking about this. This is the shall we dance segment uh segment <laughs> shall we Dance Award or whatever we're calling it uh <laughs> if this was remade in America, what would it be like? and I feel like like th- this movie has already kind of been made in America, right mm-hmm. like uh as far as i mean. N- Two misfits, yeah, kind of meet
1: each other, uh, yeah.
0: Like, I mean, at this point, you
2: could even re- retain one of them being a Lolita. You'd have to find like a different subculture for the for the more brash girl. But
1: think she could be a biker, right? Or a punk,
0: yeah.
2: A punk, yeah. Yeah, probably just generic punk. <laughs> but yeah, the, like I said, this reminded me a lot of the the they're are some character parallels. It's not one to one, but it reminded me a lot of uh, of Life is Strange, which is a very similar story of of two kind of uh, uh girls who don't really fit in with anybody else who have this uh friendship in spite of that. Um but uh something I wanted to uh well you you can go ahead if you had any more comments no, 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 about no, the, no. the yeah, Western I'm- stuff.
0: Well well, that's a thing like it's pretty it'd be pretty easy to make this into a western movie because it's uh like the heart of it is is pretty universal mm mm-hmm. definitely
2: um but yeah along with that is is i i have to wonder if any kind of like romantic subtext would be more uh explicit because there's the thing like mm. it it could just be the power of friendship because that's the this movie is very, like, aromantic otherwise. But she stays up all night embroidering that thing for, for Ichigo. But when she's trying to do it for herself for work, uh, she just doesn't have that same spark. And then she realizes it's because she actually cared about Ichigo
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and
2: was doing it. F- and And that's why she rushes off to go save her because, like, she's like, no, I actually care about this person. I will come back from the dead to save this person. And to me it seems like there's there's a very deep connection there, not necessarily um a romantic one, but Tumblr has ruined me for shipping things. So but yeah, that just like the, the strength of that connection between them. Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: yeah, uh it's it's really funny that you mentioned that because I I fully expected them to just be uh involved with each other by the end of the movie uh uh because as you say momoko's drive to help her and uh not to mention ichiko's rushing to save her like a knight every single time she passes out or yeah yeah i thought that was super cute um so the uh the takashi shimura award for breakout performance scene stealing breakout performance uh what do you guys think?
2: It's her dad, right? Yeah. Is that the consensus? Dad.
1: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I was going to mention, uh, well, I wanted to mention Yoshiyoshi Yoshi Arakawa as the grocery seller, just to like, give him a runner. Yeah, uh, he's good I too. don't think that he maybe is the towering <laughs> number one, but he gets a bronze medal or something, but, yes.
2: uh, <laughs> he really sells that t-shirt.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and Sadao Abe is, uh, the unicorn also, uh, Riji. uh, he he was. I was always delighted whenever he was on screen. Um, it didn't really. He didn't end up having kind of another big moment like the Pachinko scene. Like to mm-hmm. to me, like I feel like it was a little bit maybe diminishing returns after that. But like, uh, I was still pretty happy every time he was on screen, being like, "Oh, look at that dork." <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, Ryuji apparently, uh, there's um, uh, on the on the Blu-ray, uh, the UK Blu-ray. Uh, there's a short film called "The Birth of uh, Unicorn Ryuji. Oh so, my gosh! So there is extra Ryuji footage oh out there. I've yet to see. Even say. if
2: it's that's just explaining how they do that pompadour, I really <laughs> want to watch that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm curious myself. But I, uh, I would I would uh, I would go
1: with the dad too. I think that I I agree with that. That's a that's really great.
0: Yeah, I think the yeah entire, for a moment. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say the entire supporting cast in this movie fucking. It's on point, like, yeah, totally. Um,
2: I was, I was gonna highlight that when she's uh, I like every scene he's in is great, but I really like that when she is scamming him for money to buy Lolita stuff, she gives him these increasingly outlandish uh sob stories, and he is doing out- increasingly outlandish sobbing at them <laughs> as he hands her in ever larger amounts of money for them. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's really cute. And kind of endearing for him as a character that he like cares that much. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love, uh, I love his cartoon farting. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, The mixed media stuff.
0: Uh, Yeah. I love that kind of stuff, man. That like, I think, yeah, that's, uh, I I love, I love when anybody can use after effects. Uh,
2: I was, yeah, I was thinking a lot about, uh, you and I had had a Twitter exchange about, uh, Edgar Wright movies. Cause you do a thing like, uh, most favorite and least favorite movies from a director, a uh, director you love. And you had talked about loving Scott Pilgrim so much. That's and why like, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of like similar, like this, this movie has its own thing, but it's got a, a similar willingness to do a bunch of different stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's basically why I'm such a fan of it. Um, I, I, you know, like going back to my favorite scene, I think I do like the, um, I do like a, uh, momoko's uh flashback best i think just because yeah. it has it has the dad the most in there and yeah. it has that really funny like he's uh he's he's like a, a yakuza from battles of the honor me humanity except he's a snot-nosed uh sniveling uh feeling bad about killing a guy <laughs> like <laughs> i don't know uh, it, that entire segment just had me rolling um yeah so i think I think that that about covers it. If you guys have any other uh, comments, I'm good for this month. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Well, what do we've got next month?
1: Oh, next month, October. Uh, I'm excited about this one uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, we're gonna be covering Invasion of the Astro Monster, uh, aka Godzilla versus Monster Zero. Um, this is. Possibly my favorite Godzilla film. It's definitely one. It's one that I can pretty easily point to as one of my favorites. Uh, I really love this one. I'm looking forward to talking with, uh, about it with you guys. It's like I think the fifth or sixth Godzilla movie uh, in, the, in the franchise. So it's kind of pushing yeah, forward a little bit. Um, and um, I'm curious to see how um, you know Alex uh, reacts to it and stuff um oh yeah but, this is
0: gonna be my first godzilla versus insert monster here movie oh cool oh, wow. oh
1: yeah you're right because the other two we've covered have been uh, godzilla solo movies
2: yep and this one is definitely my favorite godzilla movie so yeah
1: wow. it's great yeah um godzilla versus mechagodzilla is real good as well but uh you know the, there's a lot of good ones out there but uh this one's probably my favorite Um, But the other thing that's exciting about this is that we are going to, for the first time, have a guest on the show. Um, We're going to be trying this out, like maybe not on necessarily a regular basis, but from time to time we want to bring people on to talk about movies with us. And uh, so first off for this film, uh, we'll be having Grant from the Blade Looking Thieves podcast on the show um blade Looking thieves is a really great uh they call themselves an asian media podcast uh, where they cover a lot of japanese as well as like you know chinese and and all sorts of different uh type of uh like you know wuxia kung fu uh anime all that stuff um and grant's been tearing up twitter recently uh <laughs> he's at grant the thief uh with stuff like a a big one piece uh manga read through thread that he's been doing and and a lot of tokusatsu and anime uh watching threads and stuff so he's a really fun guy and and um he 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 uh, has a great uh podcast so i think that'll it'll be fun to have him
2: on yeah i'm really looking forward to it because the, the everybody on that podcast ha- is coming from a different place than we are and a lot of those uh, a lot of the stuff that they cover, even though some of it's the same as, as us, they've got different perspectives. So I'm looking forward to having another voice in here to mix things
0: up. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm also looking forward to it. Grant, uh, Grant's One Piece thread is, is legendary. Uh, it, it's very, um, if you like One Piece, then you can't miss it. It's super awesome. And, uh, and Bl- Licking Thieves is a fucking awesome podcast. So, uh, yeah, a welcome addition Uh, so as far as plugs go, um, you can find me at dude exclamation, all one word on, uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I will be at, um, SPX, uh, small Press expo in Bethesda wandering around the the weekend of September, uh, 15th, 15th. That's right. The Saturday and the Sunday. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Joey can elaborate on that when it's his turn for plugs, of course. Um, I will also be uh, in London, Ontario, the weekend of uh, September 22nd for Forest City Comic Con. If any of our listeners live there, uh, please come and see me with Super Art Fight. Um, I'm very excited to be going back there. And I will also be with Super Art Fight at Anime USA in October. That's um, October uh, 15th, I believe, that weekend. And, um, yeah, if you're in D.C. Uh, around there for an anime convention around that time, please come and look me up. I'm, I'll am i be around. Uh, and uh, you can listen to me on the One Piece podcast, of course, every week. And uh, another Twitter account that I have that uh, people seem to like is called Weeb Simpsons. If you don't already follow it, what are you waiting for? <laughs> Whew, wow, that's a lot. Uh,
2: if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at Vriska Chat, VriskaChat, V-R-I-S-K-A-C-H-A-T. Um, I will be going to Anime Weekend Atlanta. I can't remember the actual dates. Sometime at the end of the month. It's
1: the weekend after SPX. Um,
2: yeah, it's the weekend after SPX. Um, I Depending on what day you catch me, you may find me. Uh, I may be running around in a Final Fantasy uh, summoner costume so look out for that and this year might be the year that I finally buy the live action Yetterman from the Discotech booth. So Ooh. look forward to that
1: um I'm at Joey Weiser on Twitter. Uh is where I post news about uh my comics work. Um I'm a cartoonist, the author of the Merman graphic novel series, which um just today uh, as we're recording this, so um the fifth book came out in soft cover. So um, so the whole series is available in softcover uh, as well as hardcovers that are getting uh, increasingly kind of difficult to track down As some of those early volumes, and it's uh, available digitally as well. So um, check that out. Uh, linked from my um, Twitter account and stuff, you can find my uh, portfolio site, <clears throat> tragicplanet.com, tragic-planet. Um, and uh, please also uh, (laughs) find me at SPX before I move on to Toho Yara. As we were talking about, uh, yeah, SPX is the 15th and 16th of September. Um, Small Press Expo in Bethesda, Maryland is a really, really cool uh, comic show uh, that's just artists and publishers uh, sharing their work, Um, and I'll have all the Merman books, including a few uh, full sets of the hardcovers, um, uh, so if you want, uh, that volume one hardcover, you're going to have to buy the whole set, but I, I I'm going to offer it a bit of a discount. Um, but I'm also going to have these brand new sticker sets that I'm putting together and some other cool stuff. So, um, please come by and see me. That'd be really great. And then I will also be walking around, uh, AWA, uh, dressed up as a guy with a t-shirt probably, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, you know, uh, I guess tweet at me if you're there and maybe we can meet up and talk about Godzilla or something. Um, and then as for Toho Yaro, um, they are we are on Twitter at Toho Yaro where we tweet about our upcoming uh, episodes and our current episodes as well as any uh, Japanese movie news or like cool things that I, uh, we see people uh, talking about Japanese film and stuff on Twitter. That's um, a really fun account. Occasionally there will be a thing that's like um like a really interesting Japanese film tidbit that I want to share on my own Twitter and I'm like, no, I'll just give this to Toho Yara. We'll do it on the Toho Yara account. So please, please follow that uh, as well as our personal accounts. Um and you can um email us uh tohoyara at gmail.com and follow uh like like us on Facebook as well and um comment and um uh, what do you say subscribe rate and review on itunes and your other uh podcast listening apps uh, that helps us out a lot
0: wow great uh well that about does it for this month of toho Yaro. uh please join us next month for godzilla versus monster zero uh aka i forget the invasion line. of the ans- uh, astro monster boom yeah. Yeah. We nailed it. See, so <laughs> yeah, I couldn't th- even say it right. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, we'll see you next month, everybody. Uh, bye. bye.